In an urban society, everything connects. Each person's needs are fed by the skills of many others. Our lives are woven together in a fabric. But the connections that make society strong also make it vulnerable. So what you just heard was the very opening line to the 1984 BBC nuclear war movie, Threads. This is the Kyle Style Podcast. Thanks for joining me. So I was browsing Reddit the other day and uh, found a key frightening scene as a YouTube clip from another nuclear war movie called The Day After. Not to be confused with The Day After Tomorrow, the Jake Gyllenhaal world freezing over movie. This movie was uh, The Day After, and it was released in 1983, same year I was born, starring Steve Gutenberg and Jason Robards and John Lithgow. But these movie clips come up from time to time on Reddit, other social media. A lot of times when people are talking about scary movies. And a lot of times people mean horror, but uh, these movies were scary in a way that was more visceral and more real. So taking Threads, the BBC version of the same concept. Nuclear war devastates the earth and as depicted in the shows, uh, people live on in the aftermath and attempt to cope with the effects of nuclear war. Two mixed results. And I couldn't help but notice in a lot of the comment threads that, uh, People talked about these movies and how when they were children and they saw it on TV and they you know, cried all night and they were, they were terrified that it was going to be the end of the world um, and that they were all just going to get vaporized the way it's depicted in, uh, in The Day After and Threads. There's another uh, sort of lesser well-known one called uh, When the Wind Blows, which is actually an animated British uh, movie with a David Bowie soundtrack for extra uh, mood. But uh, people were really frightened of this. Uh, it seemed very real at the time. It was uh, you know, approaching the end of the Cold War, but it was kind of the, the height of the tensions, uh, the height of the technology, uh, the height of the stockpiles. You know, we were at the most dangerous that the situation could really be. And, uh, looking at it now, I mean, we're nearly, you know, we're 30 years on from that. And, uh, the, the long-term effects of the Cold War and nuclear tensions, nuclear escalation are still being felt. Um, 
we still have these movies come up online. You can look them up, look them up on YouTube. They're going to have thousands of views, if not hundreds of thousands. We live in what are kind of called like the a nuclear culture. Um, you know, Mad Max just made a resurgence. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, we have really popular video games like Fallout um, and Fallout Shelter, which is just a, a mini game of building your underground uh, nuclear fallout uh, bomb shelter. We made a, an entire game out of the idea. And, you know, everybody knows the... Uh, Everybody knows the, the radiation symbol, and what it is and what it means. And everybody's afraid of it, basically. Uh, by extension, not just a nuclear culture, we're also a, an apocalyptic culture. Uh, at least, even, I mean, even before 9-11, obviously, here's the nuclear war stuff, but 9-11, I think, made people wake up and feel like it could, it could still happen. We, it might be over with the Russians, but hey, it, it, you know, it could still happen from some other source. So, we have this resurgence of post-apocalyptic fiction. You have, uh, Cormac McCarthy's book, The Road, and the, and not as good movie, but still a decent movie. Uh, games like Fallout, you know, and Mad Max is back, and all the zombie movies, of course, are all kind of a, a point to an underlying, I don't know, dis-ease, um, uncertainty in people about how much faith we have in civilization. And it comes out, and it came out in these these early 80s nuclear war movies, uh, because that was what people were afraid of at the time. Uh, they, they really were scared that the U.S. and her allies and Russia and her allies were going to uh, push the button and most likely end all life on Earth. And looking back at it now, I mean, it seems hard to justify uh, the the idea that we had some kind of massive ideological struggle uh, with the Soviets and that we had these sort of proxy wars and uh, and alternate front wars, Vietnam and Korea and the Russians and Afghanistan, which birthed Osama bin Laden. <laughs> so... Uh, Hell, even even Osama bin Laden's kind of a, a hand-me-down of this nuclear uh, heritage that we have as industrialized nations. And when you look at the potential for misfires and accidents and even the theft of one of these weapons, it seems like a miracle that uh, that it didn't happen. Uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, and there was various other times when. It seemed like, uh, because of mistakes or miscommunication, that the weapons were going to get launched. And we could kind of be living in the Fallout Mad Max future right now. Uh, although I think it would be less fun. <laughs> it would be a lot less fun than Fallout is. Uh, it would be brutish and short and terrifying. But, 
being ideologically opposed by, uh, you know, economic systems and, and whatnot. Not that I would want to be a Soviet uh, citizen under, you know, KGB and all that stuff, but, you know, we were so paranoid and so afraid that what we did was take our, <laughs> if you if you put it in context of human history, we were a creature with no history and no technology, and we clawed our way up to being able to build rockets and fly men to the moon and back. And then we took those rockets and pointed them right back at the Earth and at each other and at ourselves. And with the, with the power in these nuclear weapons to wipe out basically all life on Earth, I mean... You might have had bacteria in caves, things like that, that might have survived, but I find it hard to believe that in a full nuclear exchange, as was uh, sort of projected was the case, I find it hard to believe that human beings, frail, you know, fleshy human beings could survive the the radiation and the destruction of our life-sustaining civilization and then the destruction of the ecosystem. I don't think humanity would have survived. Maybe some life on Earth would have survived, but... I mean, that's what we were really talking about. That's what was at stake, was... It's, in some sense, was a nuclear war, but it's not really a war if no one wins. <laughs> if there's no one left over afterward to claim anything, was it a war, or was it just suicidal? a great earthquake and the uh, the sun became black as sackcloth and a third of the earth was burnt up a third of the trees and all the green grass and then from the smoke came locusts on the earth with the power of scorpions and they were told see they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green tree but only those who have not the seal of God upon their foreheads now are we here today counted among God's servants we give thanks to thee O Lord God Almighty for rewarding thy servants and those who fear thy name, both great and small. And for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And that, and that goes, of course, to the absurdity of it. We, we reduced what was supposed to be a, ma a means of defense, right? Defend America. You know, end World War II by dropping some nukes on uh, on Japan. It's almost it's ethical, or it's at least understandable, you know, warfare context. But then you take that out to thousands and thousands of missiles, and then the Russians have thousands of missiles, and then they're you know they're selling secrets to each other, uh, you know, trading secrets with each other. 
You have other nations start to come online. China, you know, uh, Pakistan, India is now uh, a nuclear power. And you you realize that it's kind of run amok, right? The, I think it's been said before, like the genie's out of the bottle. And it doesn't necessarily take that much to build a nuclear weapon, just uh, access to the nuclear materials. And this has been an ongoing fear, especially since, say, 9-11, that some jihadi or fundamentalist would get their get their crazed crazed hands on a uh a nuclear weapon and detonate it somewhere killing a lot of innocent people and unlike the cold war which ended you know it uh ended with perestroika uh the threat of rogue nations the threat of fundamentalist uh you know terrorists that's still very real but again getting back to the absurdity of the scale right the sheer scale of the nuclear war that we almost uh, uh perpetrated on this planet uh you can't help but think of uh you know Dr. Strangelove and they have the big board with all the dots for all the cities and then all the bombers and things are all getting tracked on it and it's it turns into like a video game right uh and you know grown men sitting there making these decisions based on little points on a map and deciding which you know which cities are going to be hit with nuclear weapons and uh reducing these cities of millions of people down to dots on a on a glowing board, you know, and, uh, and the absurdity of that, you know, Stanley Kubrick you know, movie is, you know, they, they get in a fist fight in the, in the war room. Like, Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. And George C. Scott, of course, we can't let that Rusky in here. He'll see the big board. You know, like that's, that's what's important here. Not, not, not uh, uh, vaporizing everybody on earth, but that we don't let the enemy see our secrets. And, uh, I mean, it's, it just goes on like that. And again, it's like a miracle that we didn't, uh, push the button and, uh, end the world. Uh, I'm happy that we didn't. I think it's, I think it's best that we're all here and everything is intact. But, uh, again, that nuclear hand-me-down culture, we, we still, we have this immense uncertainty. And all you have to do is look at the fact that there was a, a TV show just for preppers, just for people preparing for the apocalypse. Uh, is that reasonable? I, I don't know. It depends on what kind of apocalypse we're talking about. Uh, maybe a nuclear war? I, I don't know. But maybe you can prepare to survive, uh, you know, major earthquakes or, I don't know, complete, uh, maybe virus outbreak, something like that you could be prepared for, but... If you, you go back and you watch some of those uh, famous scenes in movies like The Day After at Threads, you see how insanely, like, kind of, I don't want to say it's hopefully hopeless, but it's kind of hopeless to survive the initial nuclear exchange in a nuclear war. I mean, the, the radiation and the fallout would, it has this incredibly, incredibly, like, it's like the antithesis of life, the the effect that it has. 
And you look at the effects of people exposed to radiation at, like, Chernobyl and, uh, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and Fukushima. And it's, it's nightmarish. See? There's nothing wrong out here. It's a beautiful day. No. It only looks that way. Hey, you can't see it. You can't feel it. Uh, and you can't taste it. But it's here. Right now. All around us. It's going through you like an x-ray. Right into your cells. What do you think killed all these animals? You're exposed to, this, to these radioactive particles and they uh, emit rays that will strip your DNA. You know, the, your, the molecules that make up your body and determine whether your cells divide and that you continue to you know, replenish your body with new cells, that just stops. And then you kind of like coast on empty and... As your cells die, they don't get regenerated, and you just kind of fall apart until all your vital organs stop working. And as far as I know, there's no real treatment for it. Um, you just kind of, you get exposed to as much as you get exposed to, and like people who cleaned up Chernobyl, they they live on, but they are in pain, and they are really unhealthy, and there's not anything anybody can do about it. Uh, so these, these weapons, these systems, we, we arrived at, you know, as nations investing, you know, billions and trillions of dollars into them, and there was the, you know, duck and cover kind of <laughs> campaigns and everything, and all of it centered around some kind of idea that we would survive it. And it almost seems as though we, we had the technology to build the weapons before we even had the technology to really understand what the long-term ecological effects would have been from a full nuclear exchange. But here we are, sort of, you know, post-Cold War, and we can look back at, you know, some of this media and whatnot, like, you need maybe look back at the day after or threads, and there's some cheesy acting from the likes of Steve Gutenberg and the maybe the music is a little corny and the special effects are a little you know leave a little bit to be desired but uh they're they're still very visceral and they can really kind of I think they can put you back there and help you understand how tense it was how real it all felt to everybody and aside from maybe right after 9/11 I don't think our generation, my generation, really has experienced that in the same way. And this constant sort of, sort of dread that the whole world is completely out of control and that the, the world can be snuffed out in an instant. Now, in some sense, maybe the Cold War is over, but in another way, I mean, again, nuclear, nuclear hand-me-down culture. We have 
Uh, it did some rough numbers recently. The U.S. has 18 Ohio-class nuclear submarines. Now, I don't know what an Ohio-class is, but... They are armed with a total of 952 nuclear weapons. That would be 34 weapons each for each of the Earth's 28 major cities. So, of the Earth's 28 major cities, they could all be hit with 34 nukes. Uh, and that's just our submarines. And those submarines could be anywhere in the world. Uh, and presumably the weapons are kept ready to fire. And this is part of what creates a certain amount of global... Uh, this creates the global mood. Um, if the U.S. pulls a nuclear submarine up at your at your country, it, in a sense, you know we mean business, but at the same time, we haven't fired a nuke in anger since uh, you know we haven't dropped a nuke in anger since World War II. So, in a lot of ways, it's it's since it's not used, it's not exactly a deterrent anymore because that would be. When we see, if we see that again and it came from, say, the U.S., oof, I don't even know what the, you know, long-term effects of that would be. That's the kind of thing that could spark a new, a new nuclear war. Um, but yeah, um, now take a look, you know, if you, if you haven't seen any of these films, uh, specifically Threads, uh, The Day After, and when the wind blows, I especially like Threads uh, because it's a, a sort of semi-documentary. There's a bit of drama with the characters that you follow, but uh, then it, it kind of uh, it goes out into the future as well. Not just uh, the initial survivors, but the, the children of the survivors. And they... Uh, you see the, you know, with a few little... Uh, exposition points from a narrator about, well, there's no more fuel, so now there's no more industrial agriculture, there's no, not really any more law enforcement, and you see how the population can get reduced to basically uh, peasants trying to s- scratch in the ground with sticks and get something to grow out of the irradiated earth and, uh, and, and ultimately uh, I won't spoil the end for you, but, you know, the very end is a a very haunting scene that is representative of the, the real long-term effects of nuclear war. And, uh, we've, we've been close to that brink before. And, uh, hopefully we... As in the past, hopefully cooler heads can prevail. Or, uh, this hand-me-down nuclear culture will become a hand-me-down wasteland. Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Is anybody there? This is Lawrence. This is Lawrence, Kansas. Is anybody there? 
This is Joe Huxley. I'm broadcasting out of the science building at the University of Kansas. Is anybody there? I have an atmosphere report for anybody who's listening. Dr. Oaks, do you read? Come in, Dr. Oaks. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. We're holding fast at just a hair under uh, 50 rads per hour. I thought that it would have diminished by now. I guess that means we're picking up a lot of fallout from Titan missile bases. Wichita, wherever else. Out west. That's the way the wind blows. Straight toward St. Louis. When will it be safe to move people to other buildings? It'll never be safe. Come on, Joe. Well, it gets down to under two rads an hour. If and when. Have you picked up anybody else on your... on your end? Not so. This is Lawrence. This is Lawrence, Kansas. Is anybody there? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Anybody at all?